The true worshipper is a Jew of the Spirit. What on earth does a true worshipper and being a Jew have to do with one another? They are very separate, aren't they? I am not a Jew. I was born in England, not Israel. What are you saying? These are the questions we have to grapple with and seek the Holy Spirit on if we truly want to be true worshippers. If we are unaware of the spiritual dimension that we are to live from and in, then we'll be false worshippers, just like the Jew who thought he was a Jew because of bloodline, rather than being of the spiritual promise given to Abraham. There is the Jew who is of the Spirit, and then there is the Jew who is of the flesh. There is the Jew who is circumcised of the heart, and then there is the Jew who is circumcised of the flesh or the physical. There is the Jew of the letter, and there is the Jew of the Spirit. All of this is connected and intertwined in becoming the true worshippers the Father seeks from John 4. Ephesians 2, 11-22 No longer separate from Christ and excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Let's have a look at the first scripture of many in relation to this Jew being of the Spirit. Romans 2, 28-29 For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. The Scriptures teach us the Father seeks worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. How can one worship in spirit and truth if one is not of the Spirit, and circumcised of the heart by the Spirit? The other option is to worship God from flesh and truth, and this worshipper operates from the letter of the law. They are of the physical circumcision, the flesh, but not of the spiritual circumcision, the heart. These followers live out the truth, the word of God from their flesh, which keeps them in a false reality and knowledge that births spiritual death and not life. When these false worshippers live from this place, they are not living from the Spirit or led by the Spirit, and they teach and model a false way, which others copy and are influenced significantly by. These followers are able to do certain things, but there is no life to the things they do. There is no inner transformational life of true spiritual growth, but plenty of external works. There is ultimately no life within them. The new wineskin is required for this life. God is looking for one people group. He is looking for his people of the Spirit to be completely his, set apart unto him, who live out all his commandments, bringing glory to his name as their number one priority in life. That's all that matters to this people of oneness, the church. I want us to look at the spiritual dimension through two lenses, which are ultimately a position of one. The first one, the Jew given the law, flesh or spirit. The second is the church slash the Jew given the word, flesh or spirit. The Jew, the Israelites were given the law to live out and the Jew church have been given the word of God to live out. Neither is possible unless we are in the spirit and living from the spirit. Hence the true worshiper that our heavenly father is seeking is one of spirit and truth. Our hearts must be circumcised of the Spirit. Let's look at the first position, which is a Jew given the law. 
either of the flesh or spirit. John 7, 19. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? This is a highly offensive to a people group who believed and were 100% convinced that they were being truthful to the law that Moses had given them. I mean, the law had been passed down through the ages, and the Jew, the Israelite, prided themselves on keeping the law, or so they thought. They were and did. And yet Jesus appears on the scene and starts declaring another reality, another truth, which would create such an anger and hatred within them. This was the evidence of no circumcision by the Spirit. It would lead to his death by their hands. The same reality can exist today in the church when we all think we are keeping his word and someone who is comes along and declares a reality for us to help us come into and keep the word. But we too get highly offended and angry and end up attacking and killing the one God sends us. This is the biblical pattern in the scriptures because those of the flesh are always in opposition to those of the spirit. Galatians 5.17 Jesus asked the Jew of the law of the flesh why they seek to kill him. Although they denied this and claimed he had a demon, he very much knew the intent of their heart. Hence verse 24 where we see him say, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. In other words, be able to discern the heart of man so you are fully aware of what you are dealing with and up against. The Jew of the flesh who kept the Sabbath was the same Jew who killed Jesus. How can this be? When the law that they were keeping said, Thou shalt keep the Sabbath and thou shalt not murder. What we see here is man's ability to keep certain parts of the law through his flesh, i.e. the Sabbath, and man's inability to keep the law through his flesh, i.e. not murder, when his flesh is provoked to such a measure that his flesh manifests and erupts in death, destroying the spiritual reality that has to come to pierce his innermost being place where the flesh self is still living. This is the very purpose of the word of God, the spirit, that circumcises a hard heart into a soft, pliable, and moldable circumcised heart of the spirit. The Jew of the flesh, in his own mind, perceived that it was Jesus who was breaking the law and was blaspheming the law and needed to be put to death because of this, and was completely unaware that Jesus was fulfilling the law and living in absolute accuracy to the will of his Father. The flesh is completely blinded to the reality of truth, even though it has zero reference for its own blindness and lives from blindness. There was no way the Jew of the flesh could live out the law, and there is no way the church of the flesh can live out the word of God, because the law and the word of God are of the Spirit. It wasn't Moses who really gave the Jews the law, but it was God, the Spirit. And without the Spirit, it, is, it was and is impossible to live out the law and live out the word. The law which was written by God, given by God, which is spirit, wasn't given so we could live it out, but it was given to make us completely aware of our need for Christ, the spirit, and our absolute inability to keep it. The law exposes our sin 
and our need to receive the body and blood of Christ, which redeems and reconciles us back into all he has for us. Romans 3 verse 20, For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Galatians 3, 23 to 25 is all about faith being shut up and being kept under the law and the law being a tutor that leads us to Christ. So we can now once again live by faith as Abraham did. The Jews believed they were of Moses and because they believed they were of Moses, they believed they were of the law. Once again, we see Jesus confront this lie with the truth when he says this in John 5, 45 to 47. John 5, 45, 47. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. If you have believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Acts 3, 22. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him, you shall give heed to everything he says to you. Not only were the Jews not of the law, but they were also not of Moses. Moses was of God, the Spirit. He was a type of Christ. This is all because they were of the flesh and not the Spirit. The flesh can never be of the Spirit or partake of life in the Spirit. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, which made up the Torah. And yet Jesus is saying, you weren't even of this, because if you were truly of this dimension, you would be of me and my words. Here's the connection. The words of Moses were of the Spirit, because they had come from God, who is Spirit. And the words of Jesus were also of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit that gives life and gives life to the words of Christ. This is why we must be Spirit and Truth worshippers and have our hearts circumcised of the Spirit and not of the letter. The Spirit's role is to bring the truth, the Word of God to life on our hearts so we can be made free and live out the truth. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active, and it performs its work in our hearts. How could these Jews even receive Christ and His Word when they rejected John the Baptist's message of salvation from sin and iniquity. They rejected John's message, so there was no way they could hear Jesus or worship Jesus. We must be of the Spirit for this to occur. And they rejected the very first message of repentance of sin, which leads to being born again of the Spirit. They completely missed the reality and truth that they too were sinners and were in need of saving. Hence, their true father was the devil and not God or Abraham as they confessed. John 8, 31-47 The Jew of the flesh had their version of the scriptures and they lived out their version of the scriptures from the flesh. Hence, their inability to keep the law of God, which was of the spirit, and their inability to recognize Jesus, who was of the law. Romans 7, verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into the bondage of sin. We too can have our version of the word of God, the prophetic scriptures, and we can live out our version of the scriptures from the flesh. Hence our inability to keep the word of God, which is of the spirit, 
This is because we are not a Jew who is circumcised of the heart by the Spirit, but a tent it of the letter. The difference and only difference between these two people is that the latter group is being covered by his blood because they have at least acknowledged their need to be saved of sin, which is John's message. But in reality, they live exactly the same way, i.e. in the flesh, as the former group. Jesus said to the Jew of the law that they search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is these, the scriptures, that testify about me, the one who is eternal life. How can ones who profess to know the scriptures miss the very one of the scriptures and be unwilling to come to the one of life to have life? Because they were living their lives without the Spirit. They rejected the Spirit and their need for the Spirit. They were attempting to be right before God by keeping the law by the letter through their own strength. They had no reference for their personal need to be reconciled from death, sin, i.e. John the Baptist's message, and their iniquity before God. They had no reference of their need to be circumcised of the heart by the Spirit. This is the reason why Jesus said, Did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you carries out the law. Jesus was educated by his Father, who is Spirit. It is the Spirit's role to bring us into the fullness of truth, deep in our inner, most being place. The one of the letter was educated by man. Completely different wisdoms here. Two completely different operating systems. The scriptures say on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets, loving God and loving people. One cannot do this if one hasn't been circumcised of the heart by the Spirit and had the commandments engraved on their heart. One will try through the letter and fail. Only those who have had their hearts circumcised by the sword, the word of the Spirit, can actually keep these two commandments. This is why the Jew of the flesh failed to keep it and killed Jesus. Only the Jew of the Spirit can keep these commandments. It's no different today, and it's the church of the Spirit, circumcised of the heart by the Spirit, who is a true worshipper of Spirit and truth, who live out the truth and demonstrate the wisdom of God. The promise of inheritance, life, was given to Abraham via the promise of the Spirit and not the flesh. So if we want to experience the fulfillment of everything, we must be of the Spirit. It is those who are of faith of Abraham who are sons of Abraham. The second part to look at is the church slash Jew who are given the word and how these people must keep the word. For the church slash Jew to be the true worshipper, we must have a true reference point for the one we worship. To not have a true reference point is to not be able to truly be a worshipper the Father seeks. The man who was born blind came to have a true reference point for Jesus through Jesus opening his eyes. He wasn't sure who Jesus was originally, but even though he had been awakened to a new reality. But we see in John 9, 35 to 38, the man's words matching the reality, the reference point he now had. Verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. 
In verse 27, we see this man ask the Pharisees if they want to be his disciple as well. Verse 27, you don't want to become his disciple too, do you? Their response to this is very enlightening. And if we have discerning eyes, there is a reality we too must be fully aware of so we don't also fall into the same deceptive pattern. Verse 28 to 29, they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he is from. They reviled him for this statement. The suggestion angered them, exposing their hearts, exposing their lack of a reference point for life, the Christ, the Messiah. But they are completely unaware of their true state. They believe they are disciples of Moses, but even this reality is not true. And Jesus points this out to them in John 5, 45 to 47. They say they are disciples of Moses. They are convinced they have a reference point for Moses. And because of this, they think they have a reference point for the law. This cannot be further from the truth. And yet it is very much their truth and what they are convinced of. We can be exactly the same and live from the same reference point, even though we are covered by his love. We don't have a true reference point for this love, and so live our lives void of it. We perceive we know it and have a knowledge of it, but this is not the same reference point as knowing it in a way that revolutionizes your life. If we are not internally changed and internally changing, then we don't have a true reference point for him, love. We are fooling ourselves and ultimately living from a delusional place. We live from a reference, but it is not a true reference about him. It is our version of what we believe is him. This doesn't empower us or enable us to be and live as true worshippers who the Father seeks. The taproot in us must be Christ's love and not the taproot of self. It's the work of the Spirit to do this, rerouting deep within us, where it is replaced with Christ's love. The tap now turns and releases a new dimension, love from within, Ephesians 3, 14-19. Let's dive into five passages of Scripture that unpack the true worshipper reality, starting with John 4, 23-24. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. These are incredible, powerful words when we really comprehend what we are looking at and what Jesus is saying. What makes it even more powerful is the verse before, verse 22, when Jesus says, you worship what you do not know. The woman says in verse 20, our fathers worship in this mountain. What sort of worship was this? And to who? What God? Jesus says you worship what you don't know. Is it possible to worship what we don't know? Yes, it is. Why is this the case? Because just like this woman, we do not yet know the spirit and what it means to worship in the spirit. This woman has a reference for truth via the letter, but no reference for the Spirit or the things of the Spirit. Hence, her entire conversation with Jesus to this point, and even after this point, is of earth, not heaven. 
The consequences of this reality is to worship what you don't know, thinking you are in fact worshipping the thing you know. Let's look at verse 23, as it is profound. But an hour is coming, and now is. The time is now. This is a new reality, lady, and the hour that is coming has now arrived. In other words, what has been written in the heavenlies, the eternal, the finished predestined work of my Father is right now. It turns up today what has been spoken, written, and spoken, what has been prophesied. Now is the time to be of the Spirit and the life of the Spirit, because it's the Spirit that will bring the truth, the Word of God to life and light within you, which will enable and empower you to be a true worshiper of the Father. Without the Spirit, all we have is flesh, and it doesn't say God seeks worshippers who are flesh and truth, but spirit and truth. We need to be born of the spirit if we are to be a worshipper the Father seeks. This woman is not of the spirit yet. She is of the flesh. Hence she worships what she doesn't know, but only knows about. Christ is inviting her to be of the spirit, but she must go and get a husband if she wants the life of the living water Jesus longs to give her. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 is an incredible passage which speaks of this living truth. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you might Gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. To not worship from the Spirit means the truth can never be alive and life-changing. The truth remains truth, but it doesn't perform any life-changing work within us. We can know truth technically through human learning, the acquisition of truth or what's true, but this doesn't change or build us because the Spirit has not brought it to life and light. This reality leads us into a false reality of believing we know of God when in fact we only know about him, which means we end up worshipping God we don't actually know, but we think we do. This position is very deceptive and misleading. This is when we attempt to come into life through the letter. We attempt to come into spiritual life through the intellectual human learning. Jesus is saying to this woman, the prophetic time has now arrived to come into within you and through you the true kingdom life, which is concealed in me, through receiving the spirit and worshipping me from this position of spirit and truth, not just knowing about the truth, factual information about God and his scriptures. This truth without the spirit is dry, lifeless, and doesn't change us the way truth is designed to. We can hear the gospel, the truth through the Spirit, to which what we receive changes us on the inside and enables us to live differently to before. Or we hear the gospel through the flesh, and although we mentally agree and believe in our minds in what we hear, we are void of this life-changing power. So we stay exactly the same on the inside, which is the very place that needs changing. We keep polishing the outer because of this truth we have, which is factually correct, 
while the inner realm is still full of robbery and self-indulgence. Jesus teaches us we must first clean the inside so that the outside will become clean also. When the inner realm is changed, the outer realm will be changed. The focus is on the inner, not the outer. Man polishes the outer to avoid the inner, hence both the inner and outer remain unclean. There are two things we can do while the inner realm still remains and self remains the taproot. The first is we can build Babel, the institutional church model. And the second thing is we can do physical and certain spiritual works. Firstly, we can feed the widow and the orphan. And secondly, with a gifting and God's authority, we can raise the dead, prophesy, and hear his voice. There are two things which we cannot fundamentally do while our inner realm self remains the taproot. Number one, we cannot lose our life or deny our natural lives. And number two, we can't love God and people like Jesus commands us to. The spirit of truth wants to do such a deep inner working so we can live from the spirit 100% and flow in all the spirit-led works the Father has predestined for us. This is where Jesus lived from, and Jesus is saying the time is now for my true worshippers to worship from this place as well. This is what 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-14 is saying. God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must be in the Spirit if we are to be in life. There is no other way. We either will live from the flesh or the Spirit. True worshippers have been predestined by God to be true worshippers, because God has chosen them. God has earmarked sinners to be saints, true worshippers, from the beginning of time, for the purpose of complete salvation, the maturity of the saints, sons, the bride, spirit, soul, and body conformed into his image. This is the Father's will for his predestined true worshippers. So true worshippers need to discover how this all unfolds and the scriptures teach us how. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 is crystal clear. Maturity of the saints through sanctification, which I describe above, occurs by the spirit and faith in the truth. Verse 14 says, It was for this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, this is what this is all about, the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 And yet many have substituted this for external works, both physical and spiritual, miracles, signs and wonders, rather than being in both, spiritual sanctification first, works, physical and spiritual second. Sanctification by the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that causes the growth and change within us. It's the spirit that goes to work within us and performs the deep working of bringing the eternal life alive through his power. The spirit brings the word of God or the seed of God alive within us because the word is spirit. And we find ourselves being able to live from a brand new position, Christ in us, and demonstrate this life out of us. Romans 8 verse 11. This is what it looks like to worship in spirit and truth. 
our first place position is the spirit. And because of this, the spirit now brings the truth to life within us. Because the truth, the spiritual word of God, is now alive within us, we find ourselves fully able and capable of keeping the commandments the way God instructs. This position goes from strength to strength. It doesn't shrink back or take a backward step. It only knows forward and offensive, not defensive. Even when it stands firm and resists, it is an offensive position. We are all born of the flesh, and unfortunately, many followers still live from and by the flesh. So they never get to experience the life I am referring to, and they never get to demonstrate the life I refer to. A life that tries to enter into salvation by the flesh is one that tries and can have every good intent but never comes into life eternal and ends up coming into a false life through a false knowledge. And it is this reality which keeps us in a deceived dimension. We think we have something when all we have is information about God or a version of God. Either way, it is irrelevant and does us no good. We profess a reality which we can't live out and demonstrate, and this is the entire point to our faith. Only when the process of salvation through sanctification is of the Spirit can we come into and live out the predestined life in Christ that we have been chosen for. The second part of this salvation through sanctification is of faith in the truth. Sanctification by faith in the truth equals our ability to see what is in the unseen, Jesus himself, in which every promise is yes and amen. This is the key to the complete work of salvation through sanctification. The Spirit, as we looked at, does this deep inner work, and the Spirit also opens up more and more of what is concealed in Christ. All the hidden manna, which is there to be eaten, which causes the life within us to grow and for us to see all of our inheritance in Christ and receive it all now. This is what faith is. It is a conviction of what is unseen. Faith knows what is in the unseen eternal realm and lives from what it knows. Faith is assured of what it hopes for because faith sees what it is hoping for. The scriptures say we don't have hope in what we can see. Romans 8, 24 to 25, but in what we can't see. Our absolute assurance faith is to be in what we can see in the unseen, the eternal. It's this kind of faith that has us being completely saved through the sanctificational process. Faith in the truth, which is already spoken, written, and spoken. Faith in what is already established before the foundation of the earth. Faith meaning our absolute knowledge of God his purpose, who we are, our inheritance now and the future, and how all this fits into the forever plan of God for his chosen. This is now the faith that Peter teaches about in 2 Peter 1 verse 1, when he says, To those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.13 but having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. These two passages are intrinsically linked together and are infused as one. 
Peter, who had little faith at the start of his three years with Christ, is now a man full of faith and writes from this place of having faith of a certain kind. It's a faith that is of the Spirit, which is a faith according to what is written. The question is, do we? Because this is the faith which 2 Thessalonians 2.13 is referring to. So the conclusion is this. The church of Jesus Christ, which God chose from the beginning for complete salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth, is entering into this transformational process and receiving all that is in Christ for her. This is the true worshipper the Father seeks. It is for this purpose we have and are called through our gospel, that we may gain the glory of God. Verse 14, Christ in us, the church, the hope of glory, true worshippers who keep the commandments and have and are receiving eternal life overflowing within them. Verse 14 says, It was for this he called us through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church has been called for the purpose of salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. The church has been selected by God to be completely reconciled back into the form and way of being of original design before the fall. This is the true worshipper reality. This is what the eternal gospel starts and completes, Philippians 1, 5-6, so that we may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. The scriptures teach we are to go from glory to glory on the inside. We transition from the glory that was and into a new glory, the glory of Christ, the new, and this glory goes from strength to strength. It doesn't stay the same, and it doesn't go backwards, but it goes from glory to glory. We are called and chosen to be ministers of this glory, this new covenant glory, Christ being formed in us, the hope of glory, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure, glory, in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. God's power performs this work in us, so we become recipients of his glory being formed and established in us, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is this church that are true worshippers, a church who walk in the manner of the Son, who are his co-heir in demonstration, i.e. wisdom, a church who keep his commandments and are ready for his return.